Book Two, Chapter Sixteen of The Lancashire Witches. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Andy Minter. The Lancashire Witches, A Romance of Pendle Forest, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book Two, Pendle Forest. Chapter Sixteen, One O'Clock. Mistress Nutter and Mother Chattox were still at the hut, impatiently awaiting the return of Fancy, but nearly an hour elapsed before he appeared. "'What has detained thee so long?' demanded the hag sharply, as he stood before them. "'You shall hear, mistress,' replied Fancy. "'I have had a busy time of it, I assure you, and thought I should never accomplish my errand.' On arriving at Ruffley, I found the place invested by Sir Thomas Metcalfe and a host of armed men, who had been sent thither by Parson Holden, for the joint purpose of arresting you, madam, addressing Mistress Nutter, and liberating Noel and Potts. The night was in a great fume, for, in spite of the force brought against it, the house had been stoutly defended by Nicholas Asherton who had worsted the besieging party, and captured two Alsatian captains, hangers-on of Sir Thomas. Appearing in the character of an enemy, I was immediately surrounded by Metcalfe and his men, who swore they would cut my throat unless I undertook to procure the liberation of the two bravos in question, as well as that of Noel and Potts. I told them I was come for the express purpose of setting free the two last-named gentlemen, but with respect to the former I had no instructions, and they must arrange the matter with Master Nicholas himself. Upon this Sir Thomas became exceeding wroth and insolent, and proceeded to such lengths that I resolved to chastise him, and in so doing performed a feat which will tend greatly to exalt Richard's character for courage and strength. "'Let us hear it, my doughty champion,' cried Mother Chattox. While Metcalfe was pouring forth his rage and menacing me with uplifted hand, pursued the familiar, I seized him by the throat, dragged him from his horse, and in spite of the efforts of his men, whose blows fell upon me thick as hail and quite as harmlessly, I bore him through the garden to the back of the house where my shouts soon brought Nicholas and the others to my assistance, and after delivering my captive to them, I dismounted. The squire, you will imagine, was astonished to see me, and greatly applauded my prowess. I replied, with the modesty becoming my assumed character, that I had done nothing, and in reality the feat was nothing to me, but I told him I had something of the utmost importance to communicate, and which could not be delayed a moment, whereupon he led me to a small room adjoining the hall, while the crestfallen knight was left to vent his rage and mortification on the grooms to whose custody he was committed. "'You acted your part to perfection,' said Mistress Nutter. "'Ah, I trust my sweet fancy for that,' said the hag. "'There is no familiar like him, none whatever.' "'Your praises make me blush,' rejoined Fancy, "'but to proceed. "'I fulfilled your instructions to the letter, 
and excited Nicholas's horror and indignation by the tale I told him. I laughed in my sleeve all the while, but I maintained a very different countenance with him. He thought me full of anguish and despair. He questioned me as to my proceedings at Malkin Tower, and I amazed him with the description of a fearful storm I had encountered, of my interview with old Demdike, and her atrocious treatment of Alison, to all of which he listened with profound interest. Richard himself could not have moved him more, perhaps not so much. As soon as I had finished, he vowed he would rescue Alison from the murderous hag, and prevent the latter from committing further mischief, and bidding me come with him, we repaired to the room in which Noel and Potts were confined. We found them both fast asleep in their chairs, but Nicholas quickly awakened them, and some explanations ensued which did not at first appear very clear and satisfactory to either magistrate or attorney, but in the end they agreed to accompany us on the expedition, Master Potts declaring it would compensate him for all his mischances if he could arrest Mother Demdike. "'I hope he may have his wish,' said Mother Chattox. "'Ah, but he declared that his next step would be to arrest you, mistress,' observed Fancy with a laugh. "'Arrest me!' cried the hag. "'Marry, let it touch me if it dares. My term's not out yet, and with thee to defend me, my brave Fancy, I've no fear.' "'Right,' replied the familiar. "'But to go on with my story.' Sir Thomas Metcalfe was next brought forward, and after some warm altercation, peace was at length established between him and the squire, and hands shaken all round. Wine was then called for by Nicholas, who at the same time directed that the two Alsatian captains should be brought up from the cellar where they had been placed for safety. The first part of the order was obeyed, but the second was found impracticable, inasmuch as the two heroes had found their way to the inner cellar, and had emptied so many flasks that they were utterly incapable of moving. While the wine was being discussed, an unexpected arrival took place. "'An arrival? Of whom?' inquired Mistress Nutter eagerly. "'Sir Ralph Asherton and a large party,' replied Fancy. "'Parson Holden, it seems.' not content with sending Sir Thomas and his rout to the aid of his friends, had proceeded for the same purpose to Whaley, and the result was the appearance of this new party. A brief explanation from Nicholas and myself served to put Sir Ralph in possession of all that had occurred, and he declared his readiness to accompany the expedition to Pendle Hill, and to take all his followers with him. Sir Thomas Metcalfe expressed an equally strong desire to go with him, and of course it was acceded to. "'I am bound to tell you, madam,' added Fancy to Mistress Nutter, "'that your conduct is viewed in a most suspicious light by every one of these persons except Nicholas, who made an effort to defend you.' "'I care not what happens to me if I succeed in rescuing my child,' said the lady. "'But have they set out on the expedition?' "'By this time, no doubt they have,' replied Fancy. 
I got off by saying I would ride on to Pendle Hill, and stationing myself on the summit, give them a signal when they should advance upon their prey. And now, good mistress, I pray you dismiss me. I want to cast off this shape which I find an encumbrance, and resume my own. I will return when it is time for you to set out. The hag waved her hand, and the familiar was gone. Half an hour elapsed, and he returned not. Mistress Nutter became fearfully impatient. Three-quarters, and even the old hag was uneasy. An hour, and he stood before them, dwarfish, fiendish, monstrous. "'It is time,' he said in a harsh voice, but the tones were music in the wretched mother's ears. "'Come, then,' she cried, rushing wildly forth. "'Ah, come,' replied the hag, following her. "'Not so fast. You cannot go without me.' "'Nor either of you without me,' added Fancy. "'Here, good mistress, is your broomstick.' "'Away, for Pendle-Hill!' screamed the hag. "'Ay, for Pendle-Hill!' echoed Fancy, and there was a whirling of dark figures through the air as before. Presently they alighted on the summit of Pendle Hill, which seemed to be wrapped in a dense cloud, for Mistress Nutter could scarcely see a yard before her. Fancy's eyes, however, were powerful enough to penetrate the gloom, for, stepping back a few yards, he said, "'The expedition is at the foot of the hill, where they have made a halt. We must wait a few moments till I can ascertain what they mean to do.' "'Ah, I see.' They are dividing into three parties. One detachment, headed by Nicholas Asherton, with whom are Potts and Noel, is about to make the ascent from the spot where they now stand. Another, commanded by Sir Ralph Asherton, is moving towards the butt-end of the hill, and the third, headed by Sir Thomas Metcalfe, is proceeding to the right. Those are goodly preparations. <laughs> oh, but what do I behold?' The first detachment have a prisoner with them. It is Jem Device, whom they have captured on the way, I suppose. I can tell from the rascal's looks that he is planning an escape. Patience, madam, I must see how he executes his design. There is no hurry. They are all scrambling up the hillsides. Someone slips and rolls down and bruises himself severely against the loose stones. <laughs> it is Master Potts. He is picked up by James Device, who takes him on his shoulders. What means the knave by such attention? Oh, we shall see anon. They continue to fight their way upwards, and have now reached the narrow path among the rocks. Take heed, or your necks will be broken. Oh, well done, Jem. Bravo, lad. Thy scheme is out now. Oh, what has he done? asked Mother Chattox. Run off with the attorney, with Master Potts, replied Fancy. Disappeared in the gloom, so that it is impossible Nicholas can follow him. <laughs> oh, but my child, where is my child? cried Mistress Nutter, in agitated impatience. Come with me, and I will lead you to her replied Fancy, taking her hand. "'And do you keep close to us, mistress?' he added to Mother Chattox. 
Moving quickly about the heathy plain, they soon reached a small dry hollow, about a hundred paces from the beacon, in the midst of which, as in a grave, was deposited the inanimate form of Alison. When the spot was indicated to her by fancy, the miserable mother flew to it, and with indescribable delight clasped her child to her breast. But the next moment a new fear seized her, for the limbs were stiff and cold, and the heart had apparently ceased to beat. "'Oh, she is dead!' exclaimed Mistress Nutter frantically. "'No, she is only in a magical trance,' said Fancy. "'My mistress can instantly revive her.' Oh, "'Prithee do so, then, good Chattocks,' implored the lady. "'Better defer it till we have taken her hence,' rejoined the hag. "'Oh, no, now, now, let me be assured she lives,' cried Mistress Nutter. Mother Chattox reluctantly assented, and touching Alison with her skinny finger, first upon the heart, then upon the brow, the poor child began to show symptoms of life. "'My child, my child!' cried Mistress Nutter, straining her to her breast. "'I am come to save you!' "'You will scarce succeed if you tarry here longer,' said Fancy. "'Away!' "'Ah, come away!' shrieked the hag, seizing Alison's arm. "'Where are you about to take her?' asked Mistress Nutter. "'The my ought,' replied Mother Chattox. Uh, "'No, no, she shall not go there,' returned the lady. "'Ah, wherefore not?' screamed the hag. "'She is mine now, and I say she shall go.' "'Right, Mistress,' said Fancy, "'and leave the lady here if she objects to accompany her. But be quick.' "'You shall not take her from me!' shrieked Mistress Nutter, holding her daughter fast. "'I see through your diabolical purpose. You have the same dark design as Mother Demdike, and would sacrifice her. But she shall not go with you. Neither will I!' "'Ah, oh, tut!' exclaimed the hag. "'You have lost your senses of a sudden. I don't want your daughter. But come away, or Mother Demdike will surprise us!' "'Do not trifle with her longer,' whispered Fancy to the hag. "'Drag the girl away, or you will lose her. "'A few moments, and it will be too late.' Mother Chattox made an attempt to obey him, but Mistress Nutter resisted her. "'Oh, curse it on her!' she muttered. "'She is too strong for me. "'Do thou help me,' she added, feeling to Fancy. "'I cannot,' he replied. "'I have done all I dare to help you. "'You must accomplish the rest yourself.' "'But, my sweet imp, recollect—' "'I recollect I have a master,' interrupted the familiar. "'And a mistress, too,' cried the hag. "'And she will chastise thee if thou art disobedient. "'I command thee to carry off this girl.' "'I have already told you I dare not.' "'And I now say I will not,' replied Fancy. "'Will not!' shrieked the hag. "'Thou shalt smart for this. "'I will bury thee in the heart of this mountain, "'and make thee labour within it like a gnome. "'I will set thee to count the sands on the river's bed "'and the leaves on the forest trees. "'Thou shalt not know rest nor respite.' "'Ho, ho, ho!' laughed Fancy mockingly. "'Don't deride me!' 
cried the hag. I will do it, thou saucy jackanapes, for the last time will to bear me. No, replied Fancy, and for this reason. Your term is out. It expired at midnight. This is false, shrieked the hag, in accents of mixed terror and rage. Ah, monster run, and well we know it. Before midnight you might have done so, but it is now too late. Your reign is over, rejoined Fancy. Farewell, sweet mistress. We shall meet once again, though scarcely under such pleasant circumstances as heretofore. It cannot be, my darling Fancy, thou jesting with me. Thou wouldst not delude thy doting mistress thus. I have done with thee, foul hag, rejoined the familiar, and am right glad my service is ended. I could have saved thee, but would not, and delayed my return for that very purpose. Thy soul was forfeited when I came back to thy hut. Then curses on thee for thy treachery, cried the hag, and on thy master who deceived me in the bondy place before me. The familiar laughed hoarsely. "'But what of Mother Demdike?' pursued the hag. "'Hast thou no comfort for me? Tell me her hour is likewise come, and I will forgive thee. But do not let her triumph over me.' The familiar made no answer, but laughing derisively stamped upon the ground, and it opened to receive him. "'Ellison!' cried Mistress Nutter who in the meantime had vainly endeavoured to rouse her daughter to full consciousness. "'Fly with me, my child. The enemy is at hand.' "'What enemy?' asked Alison faintly. "'I have so many that I know not whom you mean.' "'But this is the worst of all. This is Mother Demdike,' cried Mistress Nutter. "'She would take your life. If we can but conceal ourselves for a short while, we are safe.' "'I am too weak to move,' said Alison. "'Besides, I dare not trust you. I have been deceived already. You may be an evil spirit in the likeness of my mother.' "'Oh, no, I am indeed your own, own mother,' rejoined Mistress Nutter. "'Ask this old woman if it is not so.' "'She is a witch herself,' replied Alison. "'I will not trust either of you. You are both in league with Mother Demdike.' "'We are in league to save thee from her, foolish wench,' cried Mother Trattox. "'But thy perverseness will defeat all our schemes.' "'Since you will not fly, my child,' cried Mistress Nutter, "'kneel down and pray earnestly for deliverance. Pray while there is yet time.' As she spoke, a growl like thunder was heard in the air, and the earth trembled beneath their feet. "'Nay, now I am sure you are my mother.' cried Alison, flinging herself into Mistress Nutter's arms, and I will go with you. But before they could move, several dusky figures were seen rushing towards them. "'Be on your guard!' cried Mother Chattox. "'Here comes old Demdark with her troop. I will aid you all I can.' "'Town on your knees!' exclaimed Mistress Nutter. Alison obeyed, but ere a word could pass her lips, the infuriated hag, attended by her beldame band, stood beside them. "'Ha! Ah, who is here?' she cried. "'Let me see who dares interrupt my mystic rites.' 
and raising her hand, the black cloud hanging over the hill was rent asunder, and the moon shone down upon them, revealing the old witch armed with the sacrificial knife, her limbs shaking with fury, and her eyes flashing with preternatural light. It revealed also her weird attendants, as well as the group before her, consisting of the kneeling figure of Alison, protected by the outstretched arms of her mother, and further defended by Mother Chattox, who planted herself in front of them. Mother Demdike eyed the group for a moment, as if she would annihilate them. "'Out of my way, Chattox!' she vociferated. "'Out of my way, or I will drive my knife to thy heart!' And as her old antagonist maintained her ground, she unhesitatingly advanced upon her, smote her with the weapon, and as she fell to the ground, stepped over her bleeding body. "'Now, what dost thou hear, Alice Nutter?' she cried, menacing her with the reeking blade. "'I am come for my child, whom thou hast stolen from me,' replied the lady. "'Thou art come to witness her slaughter,' replied the witch fiercely. "'Begone, or I will serve thee as I have just served old Chattox.' "'Ah, not sped yet!' cried the wounded hag. "'I shall live to see thee bound hand and foot by the officers of justice, and certain thou wilt perish miserably, I shall die content.' "'Spit out the last drops of venom, black viper,' rejoined Mother Demdike. "'When I have done with the others, I will return and finish thee.' "'Alice Nutter, thou know'st it is in vain to struggle with me. Give me up the girl.' "'Wilt thou accept my life for hers?' said Mistress Nutter. "'Of what account would thy life be to me?' rejoined Mother Demdike disdainfully. "'If it would profit me to take it, I would do so without thy consent. But I am about to make an oblation to our master, and thou art his already. Snatch her child from her, we waste time,' she added to her attendants." and immediately the weird crew rushed forward, and, in spite of the miserable mother's efforts, tore Alison from her. "'I told you it was in vain to contend with me,' said Mother Demdike. "'Oh, that I could call down heaven's vengeance upon thy accursed head!' cried Mistress Nutter. "'But I am forsaken alike of God and man, and shall die despairing.' "'Brave on, thou wilt have ample leisure,' replied the hag. "'And now bring the girl this way,' she added to the beldames. "'The sacrifice must be made near the beacon.' And as Alison was borne away, Mistress Nutter uttered a cry of anguish. "'Do not stay here,' said Mother Chattox, raising herself with difficulty. "'Go after her. You may yet save your daughter.' "'But how?' cried Mistress Nutter distractedly. "'I have no power now.' As she spoke, a dusky form rose up beside her. It was her familiar. "'Will you return to your duty if I help you in this extremity?' he said. "'Ah, do, do!' cried Mother Chattox. "'Anything to avenge yourself on that murderous hag?' "'Peace!' cried the familiar spurning her with his cloven foot. "'I do not want vengeance,' said Mistress Nutter. "'I only want to save my child.' 
"'Then you consent on that condition?' said the familiar. "'No,' replied Mistress Nutter firmly. "'I now perceive I am not utterly lost, since you try to regain me. I have renounced thy master, and will make no new bargain with him. Get hence, tempter!' "'Think not to escape us,' cried the familiar. "'No penitence, no absolution can save thee.' Thy name is written on the judgment scroll, and cannot be effaced. I would have aided thee, but since my offer is rejected, I leave thee. "'You will not let him go?' screamed Mother Chattox. "'Oh, that the chance were mine!' "'Be silent, or I will beat thy brains out,' said the familiar. "'Once more, am I dismissed?' "'Ay, for ever!' replied Mistress Nutter. And as the familiar disappeared, she flew to the spot where her child had been taken. About twenty paces from the beacon, a circle had again been formed by the unhallowed crew, in the midst of which stood Mother Demdike, with the gory knife in her hand, muttering spells and incantations, and performing mystical ceremonials. Every now and then her companions joined in these rites, and chanted a song couched in a wild, unintelligible jargon. Beside the witch knelt Alison, with her hands tied behind her back, so that she could not raise them in supplication, her hair unbound and cast loosely over her person, and a thick bandage fastened over her eyes and mouth. The initiatory ceremonies over, the old hag approached her victim, when Mistress Nutter forced herself through the circle, and cast herself at her feet. "'Spare her!' she cried, clinging to her knees. "'It shall be well for thee if thou dost so.' "'Again interrupted!' cried the witch furiously. "'This time I will show thee no mercy. Take thy feet, meddlesome woman!' And she raised the knife. But ere the weapon could descend, it was seized by Mistress Nutter, and wrested from her grasp. In another instant Alison's arms were liberated, and the bandage removed from her eyes. "'Now it is my turn to threaten. I have thee in my power, infernal hag!' cried Mistress Nutter, holding the knife to the witch's throat, and clasping her daughter with the other arm. "'Wilt let us go?' "'No!' replied Mother Demdike, springing nimbly backwards. "'You shall both die. I will soon disarm thee.' And making one or two passes with her hands, Mistress Nutter dropped the weapon, and instantly became fixed and motionless, with her daughter equally rigid in her arms. They looked as if suddenly turned to marble. "'Now to complete the ceremonial,' cried Mother Demdike, picking up the knife and then she began to mutter an impious address preparatory to the sacrifice, when a loud clangour was heard, like the stroke of a hammer upon a bell. "'What was that?' exclaimed the witch in alarm. "'Where are the clock here? I should say it had struck one,' replied Mouldheels. Yeah, "'It must be our master's timepiece,' said another witch. "'One o'clock!' exclaimed Mother Demdike who appeared stupefied with fear. "'And the sacrifice not made, and then I am lost!' A derisive laugh reached her ears. It proceeded from Mother Chattox, who had contrived to raise herself to her feet, and, tottering forward, now passed through the appalled circle. 
Ah, thou time is out. Thy soul's forfeited like mine. <laughs> and she fell to the ground. Perhaps it may not be too late, cried Mother Demdike, grasping the knife and rushing towards Alison. But at this moment a bright flame shot up from the beacon. Astonishment and terror seized the hag, and she uttered a loud cry, which was echoed by the rest of the crew. The flame mounted higher and higher, and burned each moment more brightly, illumining the whole summit of the hill. By its light could be seen a band of men, some of whom were on horseback, speeding towards the place of meeting. Scared by the sight, the witches fled, but were turned by another band advancing from the opposite quarter. They then made towards the spot where their broomsticks were deposited, but ere they could reach it a third party gained the summit of the hill at this precise point, and immediately started in pursuit of them. Meanwhile a young man, issuing from behind the beacon, flew towards Mistress Nutter and her daughter. The moment the flame burst forth, the spell cast over them by Mother Demdike was broken, and motion and speech were restored. Alison exclaimed the young man as he came up. "'Your trials are over. You are safe.' "'Oh, Richard,' she replied, falling into his arms, "'have we been preserved by you?' "'I am a mere instrument in the hands of heaven,' he replied. Mother Demdike made no attempt at flight with the rest of the witches, but remained for a few moments absorbed in contemplation of the flaming beacon. Her hand still grasped the murderous weapon she had raised against Alison, but it had dropped to her side when the fire burst forth. At length she turned fiercely to Richard, and demanded, "'Was it thou who kindled the beacon?' "'It was,' replied the young man. "'And who bade thee do it? Who brought thee hither?' pursued the witch. "'An enemy of thine, old woman,' replied Richard. "'His vengeance has been slow in coming, but it has arrived at last.' "'But who is he? I see him not,' rejoined Mother Demdike. "'You will see him before yon flame expires,' cried Richard. "'I should have come to your assistance sooner, Alison,' he continued, turning to her. "'But I was forbidden, and I knew I should best ensure your safety by compliance with the injunctions I had received.' "'Some guardian spirit must have interposed to preserve us,' replied Alison for such only could have successfully combated with the evil beings from whom we have been delivered. "'My spirit is unable to preserve thee now,' cried Mother Demdike, aiming a deadly blow at her with her knife. But fortunately the attempt was foreseen by Richard, who caught her arm and wrested the weapon from her. "'Curses upon thee, Richard Asherton!' cried the infuriated hag, and on thee too, Alison Device. I cannot work ye the immediate ill I wish. I cannot make ye loathsome in one another's eyes. I cannot maim your limbs or blight your beauty. I cannot deliver you over to devilish possession. But I can bequeath you a legacy of hate. What I say will come to pass. Thou, Alison, wilt never wed Richard Asherton, never. Vainly shall ye struggle with your destiny, vainly indulge hopes of happiness. Misery and despair and an early grave are in store for both of you. He shall be to you your worst enemy, 
and you shall be to him destruction. Think of the witch's prediction and tremble, and may her deadliest curse rest upon your heads. Oh, Richard! exclaimed Alison, who would have sunk to the ground if he had not sustained her. Why did you not prevent this terrible malediction? He could not, replied Mother Demdike, with a laugh of exultation. It shall work, and thy doom shall be accomplished. And now to make an end of old Chattox, and then they may take us where they please and she was approaching her old enemy with the intention of putting her threat into execution, when James Device, who appeared to start from the ground, rushed swiftly towards her. "'What art thou doing here, Jem?' cried the hag, regarding him with angry surprise. "'Dost thou not see we are surrounded by enemies? I cannot escape them, but thou art young and active. Away with thee!' "'Not without your granny!' replied Jem. "'I had run as fast as I could to help you. Stick fast, hold on me,' he added, snatching her up in his arms, "'and I'd bring you clear off yet.' And he set off at a rapid pace with his burden, Richard being too much occupied with Alison to oppose him. End of chapter 16